So church, uh, first off, I just want to say a big thank you. Uh, last week was our first week here, and uh, you know, so much encouragement from you guys, so many, so many text messages and, and messages, and I just, uh, just encouraging our family. So I just want to say thank you for all the birthday messages. Uh, thank you for those as well. And uh, um, I had a lot of you guys ask me, you know, uh, how do you think it went? I was like, well, Monday morning my keys still worked, so I guess it went, <laughs> I guess it went okay. So, uh, but uh, I just want to thank you guys for being so welcoming and loving to us. Uh, it means the world to us. So we're going to continue into our series, and it's, it's called Soul Care. And last week we talked about a pretty heavy topic. We talked about anxiety and depression and mental health awareness. And, and so last week was pretty heavy. It was, you know, but I got a lot of messages from you guys uh, that said, you know, it was heavy, but I needed it, you know. And, and so today we're going to talk about something probably a little bit more heavier. And I want to encourage you guys because I know this series uh, sounds like it's all gloom and doom. I, pr I promise you it's not. You know, our goal in, in, in this series is to get you guys to a place that we can see that there's hope in every situation that we deal with. Amen. Every, every uh, bout with anxiety, depression, every time that we have a loss of a loved one, every time we experience grief, we, we want you guys to know that there is hope and that is Jesus Christ. And so that's the whole, uh, the whole thing that we're trying to accomplish with this series. And we know it's pretty heavy, but I promise you, it's not all doom and gloom. I promise. All right. So when we talk about grief, grief is probably the most powerful emotion that we have. And the reason why is because most of us, we really don't know how to grieve. And we think that we, there's a cookie cutter layout of how we're supposed to grieve. But that's not the case. Everybody grieves different. Everybody grieves at a different time. Everybody grieves in a different way. But... We need to all grieve. We have to. Because we cannot heal if we do not go through the grieving process. And I, I was told by somebody this past week, they, they said, you know, um, if you're not honest about the size of the wound, you will never heal properly. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to address grief. We're going to address what it feels like and how we handle it and, and how we, we look at it. Now, I want to read a definition to you of grief. It says this, uh, grief is found, it is the anguished experience after significant loss, usually the death of someone you love dearly. The definition continues on and it says, grief often includes physiological distress, separation anxiety, confusion, yearning, obsessive dwelling on the past, and apprehensive about the future. So church, when we look at the definition of grief, all of those give us feelings um, almost of hopelessness. You know, when, when, when you look at confusion and, and yearning and, and just uh, the, uh, the separation, anxiety, all that, stuff, all that stuff causes a lot of pain in us. But when we talk about grieving, we need to understand you can grieve, not, you can grieve in other areas other than death. I, we need to touch on that real quick before we even get going. You know, a lot of times we grieve if we get a bad health diagnosis. You know, we grieve for a little bit. We also grieve when maybe we lose our job or we lose, we lose uh, a friendship or, or, or something bad happens to us. We grieve other than in death. But one thing we need to understand is everybody at some point in your life, you will have to grieve. And if you're not 
Grieving, you're the cause of somebody else's grief. You know, my education growing up was grief with grief comes from Charlie Brown, right? Anything bad happened, what did he say? Good grief. That's it. That was my experience with grief. <laughs> that sounds just embarrassing to say, but was from Charlie Brown. He would just always say, good grief, good grief. Well, we're going to talk about grief. We're going to talk about how there's hope in grief. So we're going to read out of Psalms 13, and it says this. It says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all of the day? When we talk about grief, when we look at grief, we need to look at all the forms of grief. And all, all the different areas that we grieve, but most importantly, we have to know what grief does to us. Grief, hand, we handle grief in a lot of different ways. And a grief, it, you know, it, it makes us feel a lot of different things. So throughout the course of the sermon today, I'm going to share my story of grief with you. Um, my story of grief goes back about 38 years. So my, my personal story is... I have had to deal with grief almost my entire life, and I would love to stand up here and tell you that I've done it properly, but I don't think I have, but I'm getting better at it. You know, when I was three years old, my father was killed, and when my father was killed, my brother was four, I was three, my younger brother was two, and my, mom's, my mom was eight months pregnant. When, when my dad was, uh, when he suddenly was killed in a fishing accident. So when I was little, I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't. I, I, I really didn't understand the whole situation that was going on. But I got to see grief firsthand from the way my mother handled it, from the way it impacted my mom. And that's how I kind of looked and saw what she was dealing with and the way she grieved. I was the boy that answered the door when the sheriff came to tell my, my mother that she lost her husband and her brother-in-law. I was three years old. I still remember it to this day. I remember it was foggy out. I remember the smell of our house. I remember the, uh, the face of the police officer. I remember he came in and sat down and absolutely shook my mother's world. So I had a first-hand, first-row experience with the grief of my mother. And so I never thought I had to grieve because I saw my mom go through it. Well, that was wrong. And so we're going to talk today, we're going to first touch on what does grief feel like? Well, it feels different to everybody. Grief can be all-consuming. It can take every thought that you have, and it can be full of grief, full of distress, full of heartache. Grief can be all-consuming. It can impact you emotionally. It can also impact you physically and spiritually. You know, when we look at grief, it is one of the hardest things to cope with, to fix, because there's just not a blueprint for it. Feelings are different in every case of grief. You know, when it comes to health, physical health, there's kind of a blueprint. You eat right, you exercise, you don't hit up a McDonald's every time you're out and about, right? There's kind of a blueprint to how to be physically healthy. There is no real blueprint on how to deal with grief. And some other feelings that we have, it can keep you awake at night. I think everyone here has lost sleep because you were grieving something. 
You are grieving the loss of a loved one or grieving the loss of a job or loss of a friendship. We have all probably lost some sleep. But also, and number one, it could fog your mind. Have you guys ever experienced loss to the point you just walk around like you're in a daze? I think we all have. Grief can do some nasty stuff to your mind, to your body, and to your heart. But we're going to address why there's hope. Why there's hope in that. Grief is unavoidable. It's going to hit everybody. It's going to affect everybody. Grief is unavoidable. It's going to happen. So we need to prepare ourselves for it. Psalms 34 says this, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Church, do you hear that scripture? When there is heartbreak, when there is distress, when there is troubles, that is the time that God is the closest to you, church. But a lot of times we don't believe that because our pain, our pain is so much louder than our faith. But it can't be. And I know, I know firsthand that pain and suffering that comes from loss. But it tells us in scripture, instead of God being the farthest away from us, and that's how we feel, he is actually the closest to us. So we need to believe that. That's one hope that we have is when when we suffer great loss and we feel like we're all alone and by ourselves and and God doesn't care about me and, and God's just doing this to hurt me. We've all had those thoughts. We know people that has had those thoughts, but scripture tells us that is the time. That is the time that God is the closest. And I want to share a little bit more about, about my story with, with my father and, and You know, it's a tough story for me to tell, and it's not just because of the story of my father. You know, for the last six years, I have been the oldest living Warline male since I was 36 years old. All of my family has passed away. All the men have passed away from rare accidents. The only person in my family that has lived past 24 was my pawpaw, and he just passed away six years ago. I lost my brother to a tragic accident. I lost my uncle to a tragic accident. For the last six years, I have been the oldest living male in my family. I felt so lost, church. When I lost my papa, I felt so lost. Because now, the future of the Warline name, the Warline whatever you call it, was on me. And I was like, and I remember specifically, I was, I was a youth pastor at a striving, thriving youth group. And I remember I was, so, I was like, God, what in the world? I'm doing your will. I'm, I'm, I'm following my call and all this heartache and all this pain is falling on me. I was grieving and I mean, I, I was grieving. But then it brought me back to the scripture. And God's telling you, if you're grieving, he has not just left you where you're at. He has not just forgotten about you and your heartache. He is with you, and he is closer to you than he ever has been. So when we look at different, different ways that we grieve, there's five stages. And a lot of you know about these five stages, but we're going to walk through them. And I told you, today's a little bit heavy, but we're going to get to the good part. Bear with me. There's a good part. I promise. Okay? This is, it's there. It's there. I promise. So, um, when we talk about stages of grief, there's five stages. And church, I want you to, to be aware, just because there's five stages of grief does not mean you go in order. 
Everybody's different, okay? Everybody goes through these five stages different. So the first stage we're going to talk about is denial. Denial is basically when right after the loss and you're in shock and you go numb and it's like, it's like you just can't believe it. When I was a little boy and the state trooper walked into my house and told my mother that she just lost her husband, the first thing my mom said is, you got the wrong house. There's no way you're coming into this house and telling me I just lost my husband and now I'm a single mother of three, almost four kids. There's no way. There's no way. And then my mom continued on and said, my, my husband wasn't fishing. They were supposed to be doing something else. They, they, there's no way because they weren't supposed to be fishing. My mom was in denial. My mom was in so much denial. And we have all been there when something happens to us and we're just like, I can't. I, no, it's no. We try to speak it out of existence, do we not? We're like, no, this is not happening. That's the first stage of, of grief is, is, is denial. Number two, we can all relate to this as anger. When you, get, when you suffer a loss, one of the first emotions that we experience is we get angry. We get mad. We blame people. We, 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 talk, we, we talk out of our heads a little bit and we just get so furious because something that was so special and so near to us is now gone. We get so mad. I was the angriest little boy growing up. When I saw somebody out throwing a football with their dad, I was so mad. When, when I saw uh, uh, somebody going up and giving their son a hug at graduation, a father, I was so angry. And you got to understand, this is 15 years after my father died, and I was grieving then because I was so mad to see so many other people happy with their father. And the third one is bargaining. We all do this. God, if I would have just done this, if I would have just said this, if I wouldn't have done this, we try to bargain our way out of our grief. We try to, to tell them what we need to do, what we should have done, and we look back and we realize that, that there's nothing we could have done different. But that's our bargaining one. Now, a little bit of hope, church. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Number five stage is acceptance. You accept it. Now, you don't forget it, but you accept it. You accept that what happened is what happened. Now, I'm never telling you to forget about the person or the event that you're grieving over. I will never tell you that. I'll never forget my father. I'll never forget my brother. I'll never forget anybody in my life, especially my papa. I'm not going to forget him, but I'm, I've accepted it. I've accepted it. And church... When we, when we finally accept it, that's when we really start to see the healing take place. And the last one is you need to find meaning. So after you accepted it, you can find meaning in that grief. And a lot of you is like, well, how can you find meaning in something so terrible? Because that's the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. That is the power of Jesus Christ that he could take something so good out of something that is so bad because he gives a meaning. I've been coaching for, man, for years since I was, uh, probably for about 15, 16 years. And a lot of times I've coached not my kid, not my kids. And a lot of people ask me, why do you coach? 
Why do you coach and, and you spend time with all these boys and, and you're missing out on, on time with your family? Because God gave my grief meaning. When I was growing up, I had a coach that poured into me like no other man in my life. He looked at me. He saw my heartache when I came in the gym. He saw my anger, angry, uh, my anger when I was on the field. He saw all of it in me, and he poured his love that he had into me. And that love that he had was from Jesus Christ. It was from Scripture. He saw my heartbreak. He saw my pain, and he poured that into me. So later in life, I'm like, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be Coach Miller. I'm going to be him because there's boys and there's kids every day that experience some type of loss, experience some type of grief that they're, they're going through. I will never let a boy come through my gym doors and leave knowing that, or not knowing that they're loved. Do the kids bother me and upset me a lot? Sure do. But they're loved, so it's fair. But I will not let them leave my gym unless they know that I love them and there's great things that come in their lives. There's not one boy in my gym that will walk away not knowing who I live for. They know I live for Jesus Christ because I show them and I tell them. That right there is my meaning that came from my grief. In Psalms 13, it says this. It says, how long should my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy said I have prevailed over him. Lest my fo foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted you in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountiful with me. If you read the scripture, this is by David. Okay, And when David's writing this, he's talking about all the singing he's doing into the Lord, all the rejoicing he's doing into the Lord. He talks about all the things that, that God is providing him with. And if you read scripture, you'll realize and you'll find out that at this moment, David was grieving over his son that just passed. Church, how many of us can say that we have a faith like that? That when we suffer great loss that we can sing? We can rejoice, and we can show thanks to God. Many of us can't say we can do that, but Scripture tells us we need to do that, that we need to look at different things in our life and realize, and I said this last week, I'm blessed. We're blessed. And when we look at more Scripture, and, and this is where we start the uphill climb, okay, we were down here. We're starting to go up. Encouragement. Paul gives us encouragement in 1 Thessalonians about how we can handle grief and loss and how we can, we can recover from it and we can have purpose again. Then it says, but we do not want you to be uniform, brothers, and about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
Then we who, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together, and with them in the clouds to meet the Lord and the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul tells us, I know you're going through a lot. I know that the, the somebody that you love has now fallen asleep. He's speaking of death. He said, I know that you have lost a lot, but he said the Lord himself would descend, and those believers that have passed, he's coming for them first. Church, that's our hope. That's our hope every time that we have to deal with loss and grief and heartache is Jesus is coming back, and he's coming for those people first. And that's the hope that we need to have now. Now, we're going to give you three ways on how we can start that uphill climb to defeat grief and to get to a point where we can heal. Number one is this. When we experience loss, church, you have to grieve. No questions asked. You have to grieve. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter when you do it. You have to grieve. There is no timetable to grieving. There's not a set a set time that you're supposed to grieve. If you don't believe me, let's look at scripture. Jacob died. The Bible says in Genesis 50, Joseph fell on his father's face and he wept over him and he kissed him and, and he just mourned over him for 40 days. 40 days. He wept over his father and, 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 and just prayed over him and kissed him for 40 days when he lost his father. Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, and in Numbers, it tells us that Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put him on his son. And then uh, they were on top of the mountain. And then Moses, and uh, they, they grieved over Aaron for 30 days. And we continue on. And, and when Moses himself died, he was 120 years old. And in Numbers, it says that they mourned over him for 30 days. And then the last one we're going to talk about it's 2 Samuel when David heard about the death of Saul and Jonathan. They grieved for a couple hours. You do understand, though, he, they tried to kill him. So, I'm just saying. They tried. I get it. They tried to kill him. Right? But church, this is the point I'm making from that little kind of funny remark. They, they inflicted pain, suffering, anxiety, and worry into David. And when they passed, he still grieved. When they passed, he still grieved. He still had those feelings for him because that, that was his best friend. And even though their relationship got a little rocky, he grieved. And so when we look at this, and there is no timetable to grieve. No one can look at you and say, haven't you grieved enough? Nobody has the right to say that to you. And a lot of times when we feel like we're over the grieving process, we get thrown right back into it because of something that happens in our life. Me personally, when I thought I was done grieving, I got thrown right back into it. When I thought I handled all the situation with my father and the loss and, 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 and I went through high school and I saw all these, all these kids growing up with their dad, I grieved. But then I accepted it. And then I made it my, my mission. And then I got over it. Then I became a husband. And all that grief came right back up. Because I was a man that had no idea how to be a husband. I had nobody to learn from. I had nobody to look at and mold my life. 
I grieved all over again. And then I dealt with it and I handled it. And then I, was, I got over it. I used it. I used it. For, I'm like, I'm going to be the, the greatest husband ever. Right? I'm gonna, I, that's, that's my motivation is I'm going to be the greatest husband ever. And I was done grieving. And then I had kids. And church, when I tell you the grief hit me so hard, it knocked me down. It literally did. I had one moment where my older son was just absolutely crying his face off. I was like, I can't do this. I've never seen a father take care of a son. How in the world am I supposed to do this? And then I really, really looked at scripture. And scripture tells us exactly how we need to be, when we need to be it, and where we need to be it. And so I had to turn my grief into my motivation. Second one. When we grieve, because you need to grieve, when we experience loss, we need to grieve, but we need to grieve in community. A lot of times when we have a loss, what's the first thing we want to do? We don't want to be around anybody. We want to put ourselves in a corner, and we want to grieve alone. Church, I am telling you, the Bible tells us time and time and time again, we need to be a community and a body of believers. We need to be together. We need to fellowship. We need to help carry our brother's burdens. We, we, we need to help people walk through moments in their lives that honestly have broke them, beaten them, and absolutely has took them out. We cannot grieve by ourselves. You have never been called or you have, or you, you have never been meant to grieve all alone. And I know a lot of times we think we need to have the exact words to say. We, we, we need to give the, uh, the cure-all to end all. We need to, we, the, this powerful statement that, that helps you grieve and it kind of clicks something in your mind. You're like, okay, I'm done. There is no such thing as that. But we still need to be together. And let, I'm going to read some scripture to you in Job. If you don't know the story of Job, Job, church, went through it. I mean, he lost everything. Everything. He was broke. I mean, he was absolutely shattered. His heart was, he, I, I, I'm a firm believer, he didn't have time to grieve. Because once he got done grieving something, something else came up. Job was a mess. How many of you guys have ever experienced that before? When you're grieving and you're just, you're a hot mess, right? Well, that's what Job was. And let's read what his friends did. He had three friends. And we're going to read it. And it says this. And when they saw him from a distance... They did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and they wept and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke. No one spoke a word to him for they saw the suffering was very great. So his friends saw him in a state that they've never recognized him. And they saw him and they went and they sat. And when they went and they said, they said not a word, not a word for seven days and seven nights. But they saw the suffering was great, so they stayed. Church, you do not have to know what to say. You just need to be there. Church, my mom has not been in a church since my father's funeral. And the reason why is because after she was born, or after my sister was born, we were poor. I mean, poor. My mom has never dated again since she lost my, my father. 
I mean, we were poor. You could see the dirt through our floor. And we were starving one Christmas. And she went to the church across the road and said, hey, we, we just need some help. Canned goods, something. And the church looked at her. They saw the pain in her eyes. And they told her, we cannot help you because you had a child out of wedlock. My mom has never been in church again. And that's what I'm telling you, church. If we are a church like we are supposed to be the church, we need to grieve together. And honestly, we just need to be there. That's what we need to do is we just need to be there. We will not have all the right things to say. Don't put that pressure on yourself. I know we've all been through that, that, that line at a funeral home and we're like, I just don't know what to say. You don't have to say a word. Church, we just have to be there. That's it. So second one is when, when we grieve, because we have to grieve. When we grieve, you have to grieve, but you also have to grieve together. The last one, is this. When we experience loss, we need to grieve. We need to grieve in community. Church, this is the, this is the fun part. We need to grieve and hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ, 100%. There is hope over any moment in your life that you have been heartbroken. There is hope in anything that is in your life if you know who Jesus Christ is. Now, when we look at scripture, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who weep. Church, we need to be happy for the people that are happy, and we need to weep with the ones that are weeping. Church, we live in a day and age that we struggle to be happy for other people. We, we look at other people, and we, we see their joy, and we see their happiness. What do we do? We look at them and said, why are they so happy, right? You all said it. You know you have. Why are they smiling so much? You know, why do they have all their stuff together, right? You know you've been there. We've all been there. And we look at, why are you so happy? Well, it says right here, if we want to help people that are grieving in community, we need to give them hope. We need to give them hope through the love of Jesus Christ. And when they rejoice, church, we rejoice with them. When they cry, we cry with them. Church, we cannot be stagnant. We cannot see people out these doors that are struggling with, with heartache and a heartbreak and just let them sit there. We need to give them the hope which is in Jesus Christ. I'm going to share one more scripture and I'm going to share the end of my father's story with you. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, it says this. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are good. We are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So when my father passed away, I didn't know a lot about him. You know, I, I, I remember the youngest memory I have is when they came in and told my mother what was going on, and that was the only experience I remember about my father. And so I grew up, and I'm going to share something very intimate with you. The only reason why I became a Christian was in hope that I would see my father again someday. I was at Bible school. I was at Bible school, and one of my teachers was talking about the hope of Jesus Christ. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea what it consisted of. But they told me, if you follow Jesus Christ, you're going to have hope that one day you're going to be reunited with loved ones that you lost. That is exactly what this little boy needed to hear. I remember when they said that and I got saved and my entire hope was that when I follow Jesus Christ, 
my entire life that one day I am going to see my father. Until a little while down the road, I got to talk to my, my grandparents and I got to talk to my mother. My dad was not a very good man. My dad was not a known believer. Quite the opposite. My dad was known to speak heavily against the church. So church, that hope I had went out the window. My hope was I was going to see my father one day. And I will never forget. Something breathed back into me that honestly I have never ever forgot that sensation. He breathed the back, the back, he breathed back the hope in me that my future, my, my eternity is not, is not made by want and hope in somebody else. My eternity is set because of my hope in Jesus Christ. And so, yes, I became a believer because I, I had hope that I'd see my father again, but my, my, uh, I am a still believer today because I found hope in Jesus Christ. And one thing I want to do with that hope is I want to pass it to my kids. When I pass, I want them to not feel the same pain that I did when I looked at my father's life and wondered where he's going to spend his eternity. I want my kids to look at me and be like, I get it. That's hope. That's hope. I know what he lived for. I know what he stood for. And I want my grandkids to do that too. Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. But I want my grandkids to, to they share stories with them. You know, you know, grandpa used to do this and he loved Christ like this and, and you know, the church this and that. And that's my hope. Church, that needs to be your hope too. Is the hope of Jesus Christ will help you grieve through any moment in your life. Anything you're struggling with, anything that has broken your heart, I'm telling you, the hope of Jesus Christ is the end all, the fix all. Heavenly Father, as we come into this moment, God, as we get to this place of response, God, God, as we get to this place Lord, that we need to be real about what we're dealing with. God, I know grief and loss is something that we struggle to even talk about. God, I know that when our heart's broken, we feel like it'll never be healed again. But God, we're here today, we're gonna be honest about our wounds so we can heal. We're gonna be honest about the heartache and the hurt that we have so we can be healed. God, I know there's people that we love that are struggling with grief. God, we pray that we walk them through grief like the church does. God, that we're just, that we're there. God, that we're there to support. God, we just thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. For the love he shows, for the compassion he shows. We love you in your glorious name, amen. As we come to this, our final song, if you're struggling with loss. If you're struggling with grief, we are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Amen. If you want someone to pray over your grief, I'll be right down there. I'll pray with you. If you don't know the hope of Jesus Christ, come talk to me. I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you exactly why there's hope in Jesus Christ. Church, let's stand.